Welcome to the Worthy Bitch Podcast, the place where we discuss all things self-worth so we can stop living life as a victim and start living life on purpose. My name is Autumn. I'm your host and the creatrix of the Worthy Bitch. I am so excited that you have made the decision to embark on your Worthy Bitch journey. Now let's dive into ourselves. So have you been thinking about starting your own business but just don't know where to start or what that is even supposed to look like for you? Do you have a passion to share your unique skills with the world? Have you been thinking about starting a business but just don't know exactly how or where to begin? Well, this was me just a few months ago, so I started doing research on how to start a soul-centered business around my passions and I found Angie Lee in her niche training program. It was exactly what I needed to help me gain the clarity I was so desperate for at such a pivotal time. So why is this niche training awesome? It helps you gain clarity over your target audience, branding, and content, helps you figure out exactly who you are speaking to, and learn how to create the content around your specific avatar, and learn what an avatar even is. Helps you reach more people by nailing down who you are speaking to in order to better reach those who are specifically in need of the things that you have to offer and to do so more effectively. Business is all about confidence and nailing your niche helps us develop the confidence around all aspects of our business. I am so excited to share this program with you so that you too can create that kick-ass business that you have been dreaming of and start sharing your passion with tons of amazing humans along the way. Check her out to get all kinds of content about niching down and marketing and all that good jazz. Link is in the bio. All right. We are going to talk about Ayurveda today. I have been talking about it, mentioning it in a lot of my previous episodes. And what is Ayurveda for those of you who do not know? So Ayurveda is yoga, the sister science of yoga. It is an ancient medicinal healthcare practice that dates back over 5,000 years from India. It's actually the mother of most, if not all, healthcare practices that are in practice today. And it is still very widely practiced um, in the West, I mean in the East. Um, so let's dive into the essence of Ayu Yoga. Ayu Yoga is what I was trained in in Bali. It's an Ayurveda yoga. And so it takes everything into account as to who you are as an individual, where you are in your life, how old you are, if you have any imbalance going on, the weather, the season, the time of day. All of these things are taken into account in this type of practice of yoga, which is Ayu Yoga. So I just wanted to share this Deepak Chopra quote with you. Freedom from illness depends upon expanding our own awareness, bringing it into balance, and then extending that balance to the body. Freedom from illness depends upon expanding our own awareness. Ayurveda and yoga are the sister sciences, like I said, that originated from India. Ayu means lifespan and Veda means to understand. So Ayurveda is literally the knowledge of life. Yoga is the control of the mental modifications. The Bhagavad Gita defines yoga as skill and action, balance, 
and disconnection of connection with suffering. And if you're not familiar with the Bhagavad Gita, it is a very profound profound work, and I recommend checking it out. I'm actually in the middle of it right now. Yoga is the oneness of breath, mind, and senses. Yoga literally means to yoke. It is the abandonment of all states of existence, union of the exhale and the inhale, the blood and the semen, the sun and the moon, the individual psyche and the transcendental self, union between the individual consciousness and universal consciousness. So yoga is literally what yokes your spirit and your body and your mind and your soul all together to become one and also connects you with the consciousness of the universe and everyone around you. So you no longer see yourself as one individual and like this is me against the world. You actually see yourself in everything and it is magical. The purpose of yoga is to bridge the lower consciousness with the higher consciousness. So I, do, I think that goes without explanation. So the three stages of practicing asana. This is from an Ayurvedic perspective. Vata, Pitta, and Kapha are the three doshas of Ayurveda. I will go into more detail on the doshas in another episode. But Vata is air and space. Pitta is fire and water. And Kapha is earth and water. And so Vata, the stage of Vata and, and the practice of asana, which is the physical practice of doing the yoga poses, when what, what you probably think of when you think of yoga is asana. So if you go to a yoga class and you're doing downward dog and, you know, cobra pose and all of those poses, those are called asanas. And so the Vata part which is the air and space, is the part of initiating the motion. So Vata is really good about like getting an idea and getting things going. So when you have the idea that you want to do yoga or you want to create something, that is your Vata. Pitta, the fire and water. It is the directed intention of action. So your Sankalpa. So it's when you decide what your intention is for your practice or for any type of action that you're taking, which everything is a practice, right? Your Sankalpa is when you set the intention in your mind of what you want the purpose of that practice or that action to be. And it's like shooting an arrow and then letting it go. And you trust that it will happen. And then the kapha, which is the earth and the water, it's more of a grounding element, right? So the pitta. So vata is very like ethereal space, thinking, creativity, ideas. Pitta is the fire and water. So it's the, the intention of action. It's the taking of the action. And then kapha is committing and sustaining to completion. So the the groundedness of the earth with the water allows us to continue to sustain that action to completion. I wonder if any of you are listening and you're wondering and you're like, oh, okay, so I can see that I have an issue with with completing things and I know that this is something that was an issue for me in my life. I would I would get things started a lot and it's something that I still work on today. I, I like to get things started, but then I get bored with it and I don't want to finish it. But then it ends up causing a lot of chaos in my mind because I have a lot of unfinished things, which I'm working on finishing right now. I don't have as many as I used to. Another sign of a lack of kappa or too much vata would be having a million tabs open on your phone or on your computer. <laughs> I'm also guilty of that. Okay, so Senkalpa, let's dive into that just a little bit further. The definition of the Senkalpa is the intention or the promise. 
the tool for making progress towards one's dharma. Your dharma is your soul's life purpose. So it's not necessarily a career that you might have. It's just the type of service or your purpose for coming to this planet. And it could be reflected in your career. And a lot of times that's where a lot of joy is found is if you are able to merge your dharma with your career. And so it's, like I said, to shoot an arrow and trust that it will go where you send it. Mauna. So Mauna is fasting from any and all stimuli, including food, speaking, and technology. Allowing space and consciousness for the higher self to come through to reveal, deal, and heal. So your diet not only consists of the food and drink that you are putting into your being. Your diet also consists of what you say. The words and the songs and the sounds and the shows. Everything that you bring into your being through your ears and through your eyes. Everything that you're seeing. And also obviously technology. We are around technology 24-7 all the time. And we are picking up on all of all of those transmissions through the air when it comes for the Wi-Fi and all of that stuff is affecting us on a daily basis. It's increasing our positive ions in our body, which positive sounds like a good thing, but the, in this case, positive ions are not a good thing. And it decreases our negative ions, right? So it, negative ions are what you feel when you go to the beach and you breathe in and you're like, oh, this is just amazing. I love this. And you can instantly feel that relaxation washing over you or, you know, you walk outside and you walk on the grass. That's another way of, of absorbing the negative ions from Mama Gaia into your being. So it's really important to allow yourself to fast from the technology from the wi-fi going off grid camping being in nature even just spending a day at the park whatever it may be and leaving your phone behind in the car or you know just taking a break and your sadhana so your sadhana is your devoted practice this is the key to yoga the key to anything in life is remaining devoted, right? So we want to have a strong sadhana. We want to have a strong devotion practice in our life when it comes to all things. This is what helps us stay with it to see our dharma, to see our purpose, and to be devoted to it even when the times get hard. Because times always get hard, we know, right? Here's another quote for you from Ram Das. Devoting time to intentionally learning to still the mind is required to be able to carry that experience into everyday life so that every moment of life becomes yoga. Everyday yoga. Intentionally learning to still the mind. So, I mean, obviously he's talking about meditation here, right? So Ayurveda and asana, which is the yoga in practice, were never meant to be viewed as separate they are practiced in conjunction with one another on a daily basis to prevent dis-ease in the body, a lack of ease, dis-ease, disease, as well as bring balance and peace to the mind, body, spirit, and soul. So it's a very comprehensive peace that washes over you in all areas so that's when you see people that you're like wow they just seem like like their presence when you are around them they just seem so at peace within themselves and when you're talking with them you can just you you trust what they say they make eye contact you feel held in their presence and that is when they have they brought that peace and that balance to themselves Good health is the result of balance between the three doshas, the vata, pitta, and kapha. 
Again, we'll go into more detail on these three elements and how they affect your life in a later episode. A key purpose of Ayurveda is to bring holistic balance through the ridding of ama. Ama is toxins and individualized daily living practices and rituals. There is no one-size-fits-all in Ayurveda. It is tailored to meet each individual's needs for the specific time of day, season, and stage of life, like I mentioned before, all the while taking into account any imbalance that may be present or arise. So when we go into more detail about the doshas, you'll be able to um, learn more about that and how how to work with the doshas in your own life and what doshas may be prominent for you and which ones may be out of balance and how to bring those things back into balance. So Ashtanga of yoga, the eight limbs of yoga. I'm just going to go through these really quick and touch on them. They can be a little um, complicated and a lot of they are they are in Sanskrit terms and so it might be a little over your head but I definitely want you to get used to start hearing these terms and to start using this in your in your own life right so yama yama is cultivating truth inner peace freedom from fear and bondages and limitations of our behavior so yama is inner peace right so it's the cultivating of that niyama is your attitude towards yourself and your discernment asana is to be comfort and being pranayama Enhancement and guidance of universal prana, which is the intelligent life force and energy. It bridges the, it is the bridge between body and mind. Pranayama is your breath. So whenever you hear somebody talking about breath work, they're talking about pranayama. Pratyahara, the integration of the senses. Once moved towards sattva. Sattva is, I'm pretty sure it's uh, peace. It's like total peace, right? Sattva, the senses turn inward and the outer, outer object becomes one with the inner object of the mind. So this is where you find a lot of peace within yourself. You no longer feel disconnected between your mind and your body and the outside of you and the inside of you. You, you see yourself in everything and everything is a reflection of you back to you. Dharana, the ability to direct our minds with focus and hold. So it's concentration, right? This is the root of meditation, being able to hold focus and concentrate. That's the meditation we'll go into more, but I am a firm believer that meditation is not about just sitting and trying to quiet your mind, at least not at first. That might be what the monks do after years and years in the lifetime of training. But I think for just the average everyday woman who wants to practice meditation, it's more about learning how to disconnect from what's going on in your mind because your mind is always racing, going, 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 like what we were talking earlier, all the stimuli from your diet, from your everything you're hearing, seeing, all of that sort of thing is coming in. And in order to meditate, it allows our mind to decompress so that we no longer have to have all of those things just spiraling around. We're able to take a back seat, let our mind get rid of all that stuff, come back Back to a place of peace and stillness where we can think clearly you know so samadhi is complete integration and self-realization everybody is searching for samadhi right these eight limbs are not yoga but the tools of yoga and not the only tools of yoga yoga is the act of life experienced from the consciousness of wholeness unity and clarity of the self 
all things can become tools of yoga if the awareness, if you bring awareness and lead to self-realization. Derived from the Yoga Sutras, they do not imply judgment of behavior, rather guidance that if we choose certain behavior, we gain certain results. So it's like you reap what you sow, right? So if you want to choose the right behaviors for you and your body and your doshas, then you're going to gain those results. But if you want to choose the behaviors that are creating more imbalance, then you're going to gain those results. Care for the first five limbs can prevent disharmony and disease of the mind, body, and spirit, and emotions, and work with Ayurveda to do so. So eliminate the external causes of mental distraction. The doshas. We will touch on the doshas a little bit here. So the vata dosha, ether and air, the energy of movement. It is the it is in associated with the sacral chakra, with the reproductive organs. It is the season of autumn, of the wind. Seasonal transitions. This is the time when your vata becomes uh, more active. When the times when the seasons are changing. It is between dawn and dusk from the times of 2 to 6, both in the a.m. and the p.m. And from the age of 54 and onward. So this is when you get into your older years, a lot of your vata becomes a lot more dominant. And it's associated with the colors brown, red, orange, and yellow. And to bring balance to the vata dosha, if you feel that your vata is a little out of balance, you would want to bring in calming, soothing colors such as pastels and kind of not have as many of those really deep grounding, um, you know, browns, reds, oranges, and yellows. You would, you would think that you would need those, but yes, it's good but you need the pastels to balance them, right? So the Prakriti, Vata Dosha Prakriti is creative. Prakriti is when you're in balance, okay? So it's creative, spontaneous, resilient, adaptable, flexible, and quick-minded. And Vikriti, Vikriti is imbalance. So it's when you experience anxiety, panic, chills, fear, shakiness, bloating, gas, poor circulation, insecurity, ungroundedness, right? And so the doshas are also associated with tastes. So when I talk about Ayurveda is comprehensive and incorporates everything with life. I am not kidding. Tastes. So the pacifying tastes for... Um, for vata which bring more balance is sweet sour and salty the aggravating taste for vata dosha is pungent astringent and bitter so uh pungent right it would be maybe like a, a ginger like a fresh ginger it's going to have that really strong pungent flavor inside your mouth right astringent hmm. astringent would be more like Maybe when you bite the the line the rind of a lemon or a lime and it gives that like like that dryness in your mouth or maybe if you eat a bite of a celery and and it has that kind of dryness initially before you get the watery part that's the astringent and then bitter obviously we know bitter is just the bitter flavor in the back of the mouth right and kriya so your kriya you want to have a slow and long full yogic breath so your kriyas are different 
breathing techniques that are going to bring the vata dosha into balance or either increase vata dosha. It depends on what you're looking for, right? So by slowing and elongating and taking really full, deliberate breaths, and the full yogic breath is um, is when you breathe fully deep into your abdomen and then you inhale and fill the lungs and then you exhale from the lungs and empty all the way back down to the abdomen and focusing on breathing as slowly and making it last as long as possible it's really going to help bring balance to your vata if you're feeling a little overwhelmed especially in the mind it also helps to bring um, anxiety down and stuff of that nature because you're really focusing on calming um, Durga Pranayama. Durga Pranayama is a three-part breath. So it's when you breathe into your abdomen, then your um, diaphragm, and then your chest. This one is usually you might need a little bit of guidance. Um, and then there are other ones, Nadi Shodana, Brahmari, Ujjayi. You know, these are all different types of um, breathing techniques that are in Sanskrit language, right? So Nadi Shodana is alternate nostril breathing. Um, Brahmari is the bumblebee breath. It's when you're using a humming sound up in your mind and humming really helps to bring a calming sensation to the nervous system. So it's very good for vata dosha. And the gunas, the gunas are the qualities. So the gunas of the vata dosha are dry. Um, it's, it's like the, ele- not the elements, but yeah, like the qualities. So it's dry, dry quality, a light quality, light as in not heavy, cool, rough, subtle, mobile, it moves around, it's clear, vata is just like the air and the wind. Um, And then a mantra or the sound that goes along with the vata doshas, ram, ram, and ram, R-A-M, represents divine protection. Um, There are lots of other ones, it depends on what you're trying to achieve here, if you want to do om for calming and focus, However, never just chant om, om, om over and over and over unless you want to be a monk in the mountains and have no nothing, no life other than meditating. That's why they chant that. Um, humming, like I said, calms the nervous system. To do ha, ha, ha over and over, that's a very heating practice. Vata tends to be a little bit more cooling. And so if you're wanting to raise the heat in your body, a lot of people with the vata dosha tend to have poor circulation. And they, they get really, really cold very easily, especially in their extremities. And they also tend to have a hard time um, digesting because that requires heat in the body. So general guidelines for balancing vata dosha. Oh, really quick, earth sounds are excellent for vata dosha as well as the Tibetan singing bowls with the, like the, the metal bowls, the brass bowls. They are amazing for grounding, right? So I always associate the brass Tibetan singing bowls with the lower chakras and the crystal bowls with the higher chakras. So general guidelines for balancing vata dosha. Keep warm calm and a regular routine this is something that I really really struggled with for a long time I didn't realize that it how much it was harming me in my life I did not have a regular routine I just based my days off of whatever my work schedule was which was not a set schedule I would wake up anytime go to bed anytime eat anytime I was destroying myself my mental state everything do not do this to yourself 
be on a regular routine. At least wake up and go to sleep at the same times and eat at the same times. Please, please, please do this for yourself. You will thank yourself for helping yourself do these things because it, it is so important. Um, avoid extreme cold and frozen and raw foods. So obviously like increases like. You don't want to be putting a lot of cold on cold. It's just going to make more cold, right? So if you're wanting to increase your digestion and warm up, you're going to want to do what? Eat warming foods and spices such as like, you know, turmeric is a warming spice, uh, cumin, ginger, uh, cayenne. It just depends on what you're going for, right? And to get plenty of rest, Vata tends to try to overexert because we see that, you know, Pitta and Kappa tend to be able to hold their energy levels a little bit longer than Vata. Vata tends to get a lot of bursts of energy and then needs to recoup and then get a burst of energy and needs to recoup. And it's okay. Honor yourself in that. There's no reason to try and force yourself to be something that you're not. And if you want to work towards being more energetic and being able to sustain your energy for longer, then that is definitely something that you can work towards by recognizing these doshas and how the gunas, the elements, the qualities affect and you're able to bring into balance and bring more of those qualities into your into your being. All right, Pitta Dosha. So Pitta Dosha is fire and water, the energy of digestion and metabolism. It is associated with the spleen, the summer, the summer um, season, sunlight between midday and midnight. It's the times from 10 to 2 a.m. and p.m. So from 10 to 2 a.m. and from 10 to 2 p.m. Or from 2 a.m. to 10 a.m. and then from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. No, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Yes, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. and 2 a.m. to 10 a.m. Okay, so then I hope I said that right. 2 p.m., 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Here we go. 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. and 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Yes, that's right. Okay, guys. So sorry. Age age of eleven to fifty three. So this is the majority of majority of our life, and especially our adulthood. You know, we have a lot more energy during this main part of our life, which is important because we need it, right? This is when we're doing the bulk of the heavy lifting for our life. It's associated with the colors red and yellow. If you want to increase your pitta, red, 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 and yellow. Be careful. You will not only increase your pitta in your body, but in your mind as well, and probably your mind maybe first because you are seeing all the red everywhere. Red can aggravate if you are not careful, so be careful. You can bring balance to pitta dosha. If you feel like you have too much pitta, too much fire, then you would want to balance with cool colors such as green, blue, white, and pastels to really calm the pitta. So it's like think of the ocean is going to wash that fire and cool it off. Pitta Prakriti, so when you are a balanced Pitta, you are passionate, intellectual, confident, and competitive, right? So those are all really good qualities to have that a lot of us really love. Vikriti, when a Pitta is imbalanced, it is associated with anger, inflammation, being critical, overly vocal, jealous, having acne so breaking out is it too much fire in the body if you're having acne no matter where you're having it in your body that is too much fire right and 
also probably a lot of the other gunas that we'll talk about that go along with that and uh imbalanced pitta also experiences arthritis so inflammation of the joints right anything in involved with fire maybe acid reflux all of that kind of stuff is a pitta thing pitta imbalance so the pacifying tastes of pitta are sweet astringent and bitter and the aggravating tastes are salty sour and pungent so the more salty you would want to quiet pitta down right so if you have fire and you're adding salty and sour and really um hot pungent flavors such as like ginger or cayenne onto your foods you're just increasing your pitta increasing your imbalance if you are imbalanced but if you are already balanced and um the then those are those are fine but always in moderation right and so if you are imbalanced and you want to bring your pitta down sweet astringent and bitter so bringing that down 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 your kriyas nadi shodana the alternate nostril breathing um, one thing I really love to do for balancing pitta when I'm feeling a little bit um, aggravated or whatever it may be that something that is a pitta imbalance or if I'm feeling too much pitta, I love to do flame gazing. So it's called trataka. So you it brings your agni into balance and um, it's, it's an amazing practice. It really, really, really helps. So especially if you have a hard time meditating and just sitting in one place, closing your eyes and staying focused, this is excellent for those people who need to be doing something all of the time but still want to meditate and it's a really good practice to start your meditation practice with to keep yourself focused. So you find a candle and you can, it depends on how much intention you want to put into it. I like to write on the candle. You can carve into the candle, whatever. If you want to bring clarity, if you want to bring peace, if you want to bring calmness, if you want to bring, you know, whatever it is you want to call in, you can skip this part totally. If you can just, you can put it in your mind, that's fine too. Light the candle and set it a couple of feet away from you to where it's pretty um, eye level with you if you can. Sit back in a comfortable position and then just stare at it and try and keep a very level breath. Try not to blink and you just stare at the flame. Try it out and let me know how you feel because I'm telling you that has changed my life. I absolutely love flame gazing. You can do it with a bonfire. You can do it outside. You can do it with the setting sun. Um, be careful with the setting sun. Make sure it's pretty set because you don't obviously want to stare at the sun. But yes, let me know how you love the flame gazing. I am so curious to see how everybody feels about it. Um, yeah, and then there's other other breaths as well that increase a pitta and ones that decrease pitta, but those are a little bit more advanced and need some guidance. The gunas, the qualities of the pitta dosha are hot, sharp, oily, liquid, sour, mobile, poking, pungent, penetrating and burning so I don't know about you but I can think of people when I read these people who are really pokey and penetrating into your personal space and they're hot and they're sharp and they're all over the place and they might be oily and burning and it just it's it's so funny how when you learn about these things you can think of people or experiences or times when when you've been this way you know it's just very fascinating to me. So those gunas also increase pitta dosha in the body. So if you have a lot of hot, oily, liquid things, it's going to create more hot, oily, liquid things inside your body, which increases your pitta. The mantra and the sound for pitta 
is ram and vam. R-A-M and V-A-M, not together, but separately. They balance the water and the fire, right? So also two other ones that you can use are yam, are, are Y-A-M, and ham, hum, 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 H-A-M. So that opens heart center. A lot of times people who have a lot of pitta dosha are very, um, they don't tend to lead from the heart as much and they might be a little bit more closed off. So it's important for them to focus on, on, on that compassionate side of themselves because they're so driven, you know, and that's not a bad thing, but it's also important not to forget about other people along the way. General guidelines for balancing the pitta dosha. Avoid excessive heat, oil, and steam. Duh. Limit salt intake. Exercise during the cooler times of day. A lot of pittas want to do their exercise on their lunch break at noon. Do not do this. Do not do this. Unless you're going to like a restorative yoga class or something cooling and relaxing that also, you know, get your blood flowing. But do not go to a hot yoga class at, on your lunch break. Do not do that. And if you're pitta dosha, you should not be taking hot yoga anyway. That's a whole other issue, but do not go run on the beach at noon. Do not go out and get your blood pumping so fast and doing those HIIT workouts outside or even inside at the hottest time of day. Do not do this to yourself. You want to exercise first thing in the morning or in the evening time, right? Uh, I don't know if you can hear my stomach scrawling so much I haven't eaten yet today. Um, eating cooling, non-spicy foods and only about 75% full. So pitta dosha is known for getting ravaging hungry and then wanting to stuff their face really, really fast and then being miserable after the fact, right? Pittas can eat more than most doshas because they have such a strong digestive fire. Their agni is really, really strong. And so they eat really, really fast, don't realize that they're eating too much and they're getting too full. They're going to be uncomfortable. You don't want to be on a pitta's bad side, especially when they are in vikriti, when they're imbalanced. So eat to about 75% full. And if you're not familiar with doing this, then, you know, eat less than you usually would and see how you feel. Give it about 20 minutes. And then if you still need a little bit, have a couple more bites or something. And then, but try not to sit and eat, 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 eat until you feel so full. Because by the time you realize it's kind of too late and you're going to be extra full. Okay, Cappadocia, earth and water, the energy of lubrication winter spring moonlight kappa is to grow and to flourish it is associated with the lymphatic system and heart center kappas are very caring they're usually caretakers and they're very loving they hold space for you um, a lot of nurses yoga teachers um, you know massage therapists a lot of these people are very kappa dosha maybe even teachers too sometimes for like younger younger kids um, it is between the early morning and the early evening, right? So between 6 a.m. and 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. and 10 p.m. And from the age of 0 to 11. So when we're kids, we are very, very in tune with our Cappadocia. That's why we're so playing outside and digging in the dirt. And really, we're really in tune with our feelings. You know, when, when kids get upset, they just, they really cry it out. They really feel what they're feeling. And then it's just like, oh, okay. 
move on, you know, done with that next, you know, kids are very, very in touch with themselves and with nature. And that's because they are in their main Cappadocia years. And um, this is something that I think that we need to try and carry with us throughout our lives into our Pitta and Vata stages. I think it would really help keep balance. Colors are white, gray, blue, and black. You want to balance with warming colors. So if you have too much kappa, you'd be really like fatigued. You might not want to get out of bed, might not have much energy, might feel really just like tired and you want to eat all the comfort foods that might not be the best for you that are oily and soft and sweet and good like cake and ooh, kappas love them sweets, right? We want to be careful. We also want to be careful with surrounding with too much light cooling, relaxing, calming colors. Kappas are really good at making a home life really cozy and and comforting and relaxing. But they need to also remember to um, give something that's stimulating for them as well to keep them going, keep them able to get up and going in the day. So kappa prakriti, kappa imbalance, when they are balanced, they are calm, sympathetic, courageous, and nurturing. It's like a warrior. Um, kappa vikriti, imbalanced kappa, congestion, mucus, heaviness, lethargy, oversleeping, attachment, cancer, greed, and lust. So you can see how the doshas play such a role in, in all of the things that go on, our, on in our life. If you're feeling really congested, congested and you have a lot of mucus, you have too much kappa, right? So you probably might need a little bit more pitta. Kappa is cold, like pit, like like vata, right? So pitta can help to do to undo that. Um, oversleeping, being attached, greediness. Kappas can really hold on because they're the earth, the earth dosha. They can really really hold on to things and get and get pretty um, stubborn with that. So just be careful to try and keep that that fluidity of the water with the kappa when you're when you're focused on grounding of the earth of the kappa. You want to keep that water coming. The tastes, the pacifying tastes are pungent, astringent, and bitter. And the aggravating tastes, so if you want to increase your kappa, sweet, sour, and salty. Especially sweet. The kriyas, agnisara, so that one increases fire in the body. The durga pranayam, the three-part breath, so bringing balance and, 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 and feeling into all of your body. The brahmari, the bumblebee breath, is um, calming the nervous system. Nadi shodhana. Nadi shodhana is my favorite breath, honestly. It is good for all the doshas. It balances the left and right hemispheres of the brain. It's the, the alternate nostril breathing. If you're going to learn one breathing technique, Nadi Shodhana is the one, in my opinion. And the gunas, the qualities of Kapadosha are heavy, slow, dull, cold, cool, oily, oily, just like the, um, you know, Pitta Dosha, smooth, slimy, dense, cloudy, sticky, sweet, and static. So all of those things that are just want to keep you like, oh, you just want to cuddle up and just take a nap you know what I mean that is the the energy of the Cappadocia and you know we have some sounds um um ha hum ram yam the crystal bowls are really really good for the Cappadocia because they they get you out of your body a kappa so like how vata tends to be all in the head Kappa tends to be all in the body and so vata needs to try and ground so you would use the Tibetan 
brass balls and kappa needs to get a little bit more out of their body and into their mind so they can stimulate their ideas and their creativity and that's going to be really good with the crystal bowl um drumming fast drumming is awesome for the kappadocia to increase the energy kirtan kirtan i love kirtan especially in a group it's chanting with sounds and and you repeat you repeat the same mantra over and over and over again and you just get in a in a zone with it and it is really really awesome practice and kappas love kirtan because it's a really group devotional meaningful practice kappa is all about keeping things simple and their practice they really want devoted practices that have meaning don't just give kappa a task like a pitta like you tell a pitta to do something they're going to do it over and over and over again until they get it right and they want to be the best at it and they don't care what you say vata might forget what you said to do before you're done saying it kappa needs there to have a meaning you can't just be like okay here do this they're going to be like but why do you want me to do that and and you know allow them that tell them why give them the reason give them they're going to be a lot more receptive if you're able to um, help them find the devotion and the reasoning behind it they're going to be more devoted general guidelines for balancing Cappadocia are avoiding heavy fatty and oily foods as well as dairy and iced food and drinks so we don't want to like i said before for vata increasing like with like and having cold on cold and dairy is terrible, terrible, terrible for kappa. Dairy is really, it produces a lot of mucus in the body. Kappa already has a lot of mucus in the body. Therefore, you're going to aggravate your kappa with dairy. So if you absolutely love dairy and you feel like you might be a kappa, then I recommend switching to uh, some sort of dairy-free alternative and sticking with it. No, it's not going to taste 100% exactly the same. Why do people think that when something is different, it has to be the same? I've never understood this. You can still treat yourself here and there, you know what I mean, with maybe a smoothie or a milkshake here and there. Don't make that your regular practice, right? You know, we want to treat ourselves and not limit ourselves too much but we also don't want to harm ourselves because we can't control ourselves so honor your body and what it needs and don't be mad at it because it doesn't like the things that your taste buds like that's fine work with it kappa needs to keep active with plenty of exercise and to vary your routine so the opposite of vata vata is very airy fairy wants to fly around all over the place and never wants to do the same thing at the same time all the like it just vata dosha really wants to just do whatever it wants whenever it wants so it is so important for vata to bring the routine to stick and be dedicated to a routine at least like i said waking up sleeping eating all at the same times every day that is crucial for vata or else you're going to increase your anxiety and you're not going to be able to concentrate don't do this to yourself the opposite is true for kappa you want to vary your routine kappa tends to be very structured and stubborn and they will not veer from their structure from their routine this creates more hard-headedness more stubbornness you don't want to do this you want to bring flexibility into your life because if you're not flexible in your mind the same is going to happen in your body you want to bring flexibility into your life you don't want things to be the end of the world if your routine gets thrown off a little bit 
relax, it's going to be okay. So if you vary it up on your own sometimes, then when things unexpected arise, you're going to be less likely to be triggered by that. And kappas need to eat dry, light foods. Kappa is one of the only doshas that can really get away with um, eating just really light I don't even want to use the like chips and crackers and stuff like that. But like, yes, if, if one dosha is going to eat those things, which are not very great for you, then it would be the Cappadocia. Uh, Cappadocia, that yes, just keeping it dry and light. You don't want to have too much oils. You know, you don't want to have, so I would say like steamed vegetables is a really, really good one for kappa. Maybe you can put a little bit of salt and pepper and maybe a tiny bit of butter or something on there, but try not to do too much, you know. And no daytime naps. Kappas love their naps. Do not do this. You are going to push yourself further into an imbalance. Yeah, if you're on vacation, if you're at the beach or something, take your nap. But if you're at home and it's just like you've been taking naps every day for the past week, stop that. Don't do that to yourself. Go on a walk. Force yourself to do what you need to do for yourself. And I just wanted to really quick before, because that is all we have today for the doshas and Ayurveda and yoga, and I'm sure that was a whirlwind. And like I said, we will go into more detail on the doshas on another on another episode because that was just very uh, surface level, surprisingly enough. It was in a lot of detail, actually, but it was surface level still. I wanted to give you guys some of my references and just kind of shout out the people who have taught me a lot of the things that I know because without them, it would not be possible for me to be working on my own health and to be sharing this message with you guys. So Jai Wellness was the yoga and Ayurveda training that I took in Bali. J-A-I Wellness, Jai Wellness. Check them out. They are located in Toronto, Canada, and they are phenomenal. I mean, I cannot thank them enough for holding space for me during my practice and teaching me all of this amazing knowledge while I was having a really hard time, right? Okay, and also Sahara Rose. Sahara Rose, if you don't know Sahara Rose, look her up. She is like the modern day queen of Ayurveda she is the reason I know about Ayurveda. She has changed my entire life. Just hearing her podcast about Ayurveda and all the things that she does literally changed my life. She wrote a couple of different books so far and she, her third one's about to come out, but The Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda is an excellent, excellent source. If you are new to Ayurveda or if, even if you're not new to Ayurveda and you want more information, The Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda is where it's at by Sahara Rose check them both out. And like I said, we will get into more detail on all of this juicy goodness in another episode. It is just, there is so much to it and we are already 45 minutes in and there is just so much to cover and it's so exciting. Stay tuned for the next episode about doshas where we will go into so much detail about you as an individual and how it's affecting your life and how to bring balance to your life and all that awesome stuff. I love you guys so much. I am so excited to share this information that has changed my life so much with you and I can't wait to see how it changes your life too because I know how powerful knowledge and wisdom is and when you can understand yourself, then you can accept yourself and then you can be your best highest self. I love you guys. Y'all are awesome, and I can't wait for another episode. See ya.
And if you loved this episode, I would love if you could leave me a review on iTunes or you can find me on Instagram at The Worthy Bitch or YouTube at the same handle. My email is theworthybitch at gmail.com with a period instead of an I in the word bitch. So that is theworthybtch at gmail.com. And stay tuned for my website that is currently in the making. I love to connect with you and hear from you. And I look forward to meeting you very soon. Have a great day, chicasita.